Welcome to Be Your Own Muse, the Spelman College Museum of Fine Arts podcast series where we highlight conversations with black women cultural producers. I'm Floyd Hall. This conversation is presented as an extension of the current exhibition, Micheline Thomas, Mentors, Muses, and Celebrities, to celebrate and to highlight uh, conversation around that exhibition we are inviting members of our community to talk and to be in dialogue with each other um, in the spirit of mentorship, muses, and celebrities. So with that in mind, today I have the pleasure of speaking with Kwajalein Jackson and Danielle Gilmore uh, of the Feminist Women's Health Center. Kwajalein, Danielle, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Let's start at the beginning of this relationship. When did you first meet and what were your initial impressions? Kwajalein first, then Danielle. Um, We first met when Danielle applied for a position at Feminist Women's Health Center for the Black Women's Wellness Program Coordinator. And um, I interviewed her and subsequently offered her that role that she's been in for almost a year. Yeah, what she said, right? <laughs> now, of course, that that's the sort of that's the that's the formality around the actual employment situation, but uh beyond that in terms of first impressions or maybe just first opinions, uh what were some of those, Danielle? Free black woman, I want some. Not some of her, but some like the freeness, you know. Like just her her aesthetic, her appearance, just it really spoke to parts of me that thought that that didn't coincide with professionalism or something. Like, I've grown up in this really staunch, um, actually Protestant-type environment. It, my family is, like, Baptist, but still, like, Indiana is, like, wasp city. Um, and so, like, what I've been told about professionalism, how you're supposed to look, how you're supposed to dress, it was a pleasant surprise to see Kwajalein doing it her way and still in a position that, you know, some hope to be in at some points. I think what spoke to me first about Danielle was her passion, um, particularly her passion for black women. Um, With her application materials, she sent a PowerPoint in addition to her cover letter and resume, and that definitely stood out to me. Um, And... I think the energy and attitude that she brought in to the interview, I could see how that um, was aligned with the energy and environment at Feminist Center. So a full year Mm -hmm. of working together. um, Danielle, when you talk about the notion of uh, a mentor, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, you know, yes, this is someone who you work with. Clearly there is... Uh, a relationship that's based upon your work titles. But beyond that, what has uh, made Kwajalein a mentor to you? Actually, I like how you just said work with. So coming to Feminist with Kwajalein being my director, I remember going into her office early on being like, I've never worked for. And she would be like, you work with. And I'm like, I've never worked for. And so that for me was like the beginning of understanding that this was a team of sorts and that I had, like, an ally, someone that I could go to and have a conversation with that was real, even though a lot of times I'm very nervous and I'm not sure why. Um, But it's just always been a spirit of 
come in, say what you need to say. I'm here to help. Just let me know how to do it. This is the expectation of you. Go forth and do great things. That feels like mentorship to me in a lot of ways. Kwajalein, in terms of, of that same word, how do you see yourself as a mentor? Because, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, Danielle, there's this working with aspect of what you all do. So maybe talk about how you even see yourself in that role. Um, I mean, it's very humbling to hear people talk about um, feeling like you are a mentor. And so the, sometimes that's a hard title to own. Um I think when I think about the team that I manage, I really do want to, at the very least, blur those like lines of hierarchy and, and power structure that we're so accustomed to. I want people to feel like they are a part of something and that my role is to give them everything that they need to be successful. Like That's the way I want to manage because I've been managed very poorly by other people. Um, so I try to keep all those things in mind and and think about how I can listen, how I can be responsive. Um, I just want to make sure that um, I can be what they need so that they can be their best selves. And before we get too deep into this, I would love for you all to maybe talk about the Feminist Women's Health Center, because I don't know if everyone who's listening to this will know exactly what that is, but I would love for you all to lay that out so that everyone is clear about uh, the center and the work that, that you all do. Kwajalein? Sure. Feminist um, has been around for over 40 years. It's a reproductive health rights and justice organization that provides direct health services um, and sexual and reproductive health across sort of a gamut. Um, but also has advocacy, education, outreach, um, and public policy work that we do that works alongside the work of the clinic. Um, my team, is, as Danielle mentioned, um, does that advocacy and outreach work, really tries to center reproductive justice um, and complement the health services that the clinic provides. Now, with this exhibition, and with a lot of Micheline Thomas's work, the black woman's body is at the sort of center of, of what she's worked with and around and highlighted. So as I was thinking about this exhibition, thinking about the center, to me it almost feels like the black body is your muse. Talk about that in terms of, of that notion of the black body, the black woman's body being your muse. I think that's a really accurate description. I think, um, one, because of where we're situated in Atlanta, um, the majority of the women we see in the clinic are black women, um, and the majority of our staff are black women. Um, so it's really important for us to center the lives and experiences of black women in the ways that we do all of our services, and women of color more broadly, but black women in particular. Um, and I think with the history of the ways that black women's bodies have been um, oppressed, misused, harmed, um, through the history of reproductive medicine and gynecology, it's important for us to give back that autonomy um, and empowerment to black women to be agents of their own destiny in all the ways that that's possible. So that's supporting their decisions about pregnancy, parenting, um, whether and when to have children, um, 
making sure that they have all of the tools and resources they need to live their best lives. Um, and that is particularly true of the Black Women's Wellness Program that Danielle leads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, just, just backing up with that, it's like bodily autonomy, um, awareness around mental health, things like the program that I want to run, it's, it's still getting off the ground, but I see it being like an all-encompassing place um, for black women to come and find fellowship with other black women. We're in the process of developing a leadership program, which is like something that's feeling very amazing in my spirit now, but I'm just getting in touch with more community members to, to get other eyes on it, other thoughts, like a mastermind group behind it. Um, and much of what Kwajalein said, just centering the black women's issues all together, uh, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, bring it all here and let's all figure it out together. Because it's already good stuff there. So I've been trying to come at this from the aspect of let's accentuate the positive. Because I think a lot of times some of the programming that I see out in the community um, takes it from a standpoint of like there's something missing, like something lacking in the black woman. And I don't feel that way at all. I feel like there's lots of richness there that needs to be like, I would say nurtured, more so pulled out. Like, how can we do that is what I focus on mostly and what I'm I'm wanting to do right now. Yeah. Can you give some examples of maybe ways that you have started to do that already? Absolutely. One thing in particular is we have a queer women's support group that meets, like, we were meeting, like, biweekly. We're trying to, like, kind of get it to maybe once a month so that we can probably get more interest in it. But, um that's one thing. Another thing, too, I was going to say is I was having, like, meet and greets and things like that that were, like, strictly I wanted it to be a professional type thing. And we would have women come out and start talking about childhood issues and things of that nature. And I just started to realize there's not a safe space for some of these women to come and talk about some of those things. So just we've been looking into all kind of things. We've been talking with the Georgia Care Counseling Center, I believe it's called, about getting some some uh, therapists out to look at some of the work that we have going on. Like just trying to encompass the whole body of the black woman, like the entire ordeal. Bring it all to us. We want it all. <laughs> um, you talk about the the narrative around black women and maybe there's this notion that there are things that that are that are are missing and, and you all are maybe working opposite of that and maybe highlighting the things that are already there and supporting what is there. And I think about the the characters, some of them fictional, some of them real in the exhibition. Um, the narratives in the exhibition speak to the support that the women and the characters get from each other or from the folks in their lives. Can you maybe talk more about this narrative around black women that you all are working to adjust, at least in this larger context? Man, that's an amazing question. <laughs> I mean, I think there is something really special and magical about the exchange between black women, the sort of the energy exchange, like I, one of my favorite things to do is like walk down the street or walk through the airport or something like that and make direct eye contact with every black woman that I see and smile at her. And you can feel it's tangible, that exchange of I see you, um, you know, pushing that stroller, tying your shoe, whatever it is that you're doing. Like there's something about that. You expand that one more concentric circle and you provide a space like Danielle described where people can, you know, um, feel held enough to be able to 
um, you know, pull down some walls and barriers and things that may have been built up as protection um, so that healing can be accessed. Like that is also a really powerful space. And so I think that that's some of what um, I think about when I um, when I hear a question. I'm so disappointed that I haven't seen the exhibit yet, but I know it's not gone yet, so I'm going to try very hard to make sure that I can see it all. But just from your description, um, that, like, accessing that inner um, space, that, like, gooey center and being able to feel, like, completely covered and held is something that is really important as we're thinking about the spaces we want to create for black women. Also, I just think beautiful, warm sister friendships are lifeblood. Like, because some of what the black woman experiences professionally is just off the charts. Like, some wouldn't even recognize what's going on behind the scenes in a sister's life in a workspace sometimes. And, I, and I'm, like, really um, enamored. Is that the right word to use with Kwajalein? In the sense of, like, I remember walking past her office one day, and I always knock before I stick my head in. I don't know what's going on, and she usually has her door open. But I was like, you know, I can usually tell you're here because I smell hair care products. <laughs> and that was a joke, but, like, that's comforting to me. Like, I walk past there, and I smell something. I don't know what it is, a little coconut, lime, something <laughs> in the twist, you know, like. And that feels like I'm not alone in this. But like she said, a lot of the women that work at the center are black women. So that there's just that camaraderie there. But that's not everywhere, of course. So it's just amazing. Danielle, speaking about Kwajalein and that comfort level that you all continue to to work at and to build, even organically, um, as it seems that it's developing, um, what have you ever wanted to ask her about what she does or how she does it that you haven't been able to ask her up to this point? Man, Floyd, that's a great question. Um, Honestly, a big question is how do you know all of the things that you know around reproductive justice and things like that? Because she dials it up. Like, I've been in spaces with her. Just like now, she's like, this is, this is, this is, that is, that is, this. And I'm, like, trying to do it my way. Not necessarily be quadrilling, but be Danielle that's more informed. But it's like I'm so interested in how, how did you build the knowledge base? Where did you start? What called you to reproductive justice work? Well, um, I mean, the the short answer is other black women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my first um, real introduction to feminism, to womanism, to the what I didn't have the language about reproductive justice yet, but that was sort of foundational for it, was here at Spelman College. I think that being in spaces with uh, my peers and my professors talking about um, the issues that were affecting our lives, the history that came behind where we are today, um, and what we could do to sort of change the world. Like, all of those things, I think, were the building blocks. And then from there, again, being in spaces with other black women who laid the path for this. So sitting in rooms with Monica Simpson and Loretta Ross um, and just listening and absorbing, reading whatever they wrote, um, spending way too much money on books on Amazon um, or in Keras, but just, you know, trying to absorb as much as I could. And I think you're right to try to not just regurgitate what I've heard, but really, you know, um, digest it and understand it um, in a way that it feels like it's in me Mm -hmm. so then I can say it 
confidently um, and really understand and believe what I'm talking about. Um, but I think it's just time. Um, and last, I won't, I can't neglect to mention my mother um, has been working in social justice and reproductive health for a really long time. And so all of that has also sort of fed into um, how I approach the work. Now, Kwajalein, you mentioned uh, some reading materials, and we don't want to turn this into a, a book club meeting, but one of the things that uh, Micheline did create in the exhibition is sort of a space for contemplation where people can read uh, books that she felt fit with the exhibition. So if you if you could maybe even mention some some books perhaps that have influenced you um or or artists or writers who have maybe mentored to you through their books Mm -hmm. um i would say for you know required reading perhaps um killing the black body by dr dorothy roberts is one that i feel like is a really important text um Sisters of the Yam by Bell Hooks, which is like, just like a, you know, self-care, healing, um, very black women-centered piece. And then just recently, Loretta Ross, who is one of the um, sort of founders and foremothers of reproductive justice, just put out um, Reproductive Justice and Introduction. Um, which really lays out found the foundation for where that phrase comes from, what it means in different spaces. I asked uh, Danielle to ask you a question, Kwajalein, and at this point I'll turn that around. When you think about Danielle and her development over this past year or, or just you all's relationship, what are some of the things that maybe you think about when you think about her that you would want to maybe learn more about or to investigate further? Um, honestly, we've had, we just recently had some, some pretty deep conversations about some of this where I felt like I learned a lot, but I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, um, you know, I want to learn more about what you see for yourself. Um, not again, just in a professional context, but I want to know, you know, when you, sort of close your eyes and see into the future. I won't even give, like, a prescribed year, but, like, what do you see that makes you feel accomplished and full? Um, what's the one thing that would help you to get to that accomplished and full space? Wow. <laughs> Not asking for a five-year plan. Yeah, you know, of course, Just yeah. like, what's... I'm going to lay it out for the see? next ten years. Um, when I close my eyes and I think about like something that really makes me excited for the future is I want to be a parent. Um, and I actually have met someone that I think I want to share that kind of responsibility with, um, who's in another country that I've actually asked to marry me. Um, and so I am (laughs) planning all kinds of stuff around becoming a citizen of another country in the next couple of years, um, Oh, God, looking at rings and all the other. There's a Pinterest board made now for weddings and crap stuff, beautiful stuff, if she ever hears this. Um, So just, you know, that's something that I close my eyes and I think about and feel really excited about. Um, And I haven't shared that with a lot of people because it's just kind of really new to me and I 
find myself sitting in corners with my knees like up against my chest a little nervous because I never thought I was going to marry anyone. I never met anyone I wanted to marry. So until now. Um, but yeah, I see that. Um, I see babies. I see bare feet and walking through <laughs> wooded places because I'm kind of hippied out like that and baby Bjorns with the baby on my chest and you know I see myself continuing in a reproductive justice capacity in some way um, continuing to elevate the black woman uh, across the board you know queer hetero how you identify I don't care I'm just wanting to be a lover of the universe and a lifelong learner so I get really excited about the possibility of all that <sighs> I'm just, you know, trying to contain my squeals <laughs> over here. <laughs> but that's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. I know that when I talked with Micheline, when she was here for the opening of the exhibition, she really talked about somewhat what you mentioned, Danielle, like this really intense love of black women in the black body. And a lot of what she has tried to do with this exhibition is sort of mirror some things back to the viewer. And Kwajalein, you, you talked about that a little bit when you were mentioning, you know, you walking through public spaces, really trying to, you know, force eye contact to create a connection. Um, I would love for you to maybe talk more about that intentional mirroring, um, because I feel like that's something that uh, can be uncomfortable at first um, for the recipient of that, but ultimately kind of leads to this more um, constructive place. So maybe talk more about, about your thinking when you're, when you're doing that. Mm -hmm. I think for me, there's a difference between sort of being gazed upon and being seen. Yes. And so what I try to do is help people feel seen, black women in particular. Like I want them to feel seen, feel celebrated, feel valued in whatever small way I can. So um, so that's part of what drives me to do that. I think the other part of it is, you know, wanting to feel seen myself. And, um, you know, uh, I think that that contributes to the way that I show up in spaces is that I, I don't want to shrink. I don't want to feel like I have to be small. I want to show up with my whole self, and I want that to give other people permission to do the same. Um, I want people, that's the way my feminism looks. Like that's when it goes down to its core, it's about people having permission to be their full authentic self everywhere they go all the time without apology, um, and letting that be enough, more than enough. Um, I don't know if that fully answers the question, but that's sort of what I think about in response. And that's funny that she went right into that because I was going to say, um, I've been in Atlanta a little over a year. And one of the reasons why I wanted to move to Atlanta is because I, every time I visited, I found just a lot of fellowship and camaraderie and things that I like was in Indiana secretly lusting after um, that I didn't get there around black women in that connection. And what I find is, um, what I find actually that's so appealing about Kwajalein is in just showing up and being herself, like she frees other sisters too. And I think that is amazing and, and it's, it's magnetic. And 
everywhere I go, like I have a conversation about where I work and she's usually mentioned, like your director is, you know, you know, and, and I, I just, I don't know. I'm just impressed by it. And I also, it feels like it's effortless. Like when you walk through the office, it's, it's just effortless. You know, your t-shirts, your tattoos, your hair, your head wraps, just the energy that you bring to a space is like, I'm free, get you some. You know, it's not a, a force kind of thing. It's not a look at me, I'm here kind of thing. It's I'm here. And and she's seen by being there. And that's something that, like, I really wanted for myself to let my work and let my, my attitude and let the things that I care about speak for me. I don't have to speak for myself like that, you know, talk it out. Um, and I see that in Kwajalein and and. Like I said, the tattoos, I keep talking about them because I have some of my own down my arms, and I was like, I feel all right about all this now because I did it, you know, when I was a little younger and um, thought that I was really ruining something. And now I'm just in love with it, and any chance I get, I'm putting something somewhere, and that makes me happy. So just to kind of bring that full circle, like to see a, a black woman in her full expression as she wants to be and needs to be, and it, and it be authentic and it not be something that's forced, it, it just unconsciously invites me to do the same. And I think that that's a big part of the mentorship that I feel there. It's not, it doesn't even have to be spoken a lot of the times. It's just like, you know, someone has you. And they've said it a couple of times, like, look, I got you. I'm here for it. Just let me know what you need. But these are the expectations that I have of you, too. Like that mutual, I this is what I need from you. This is what you get from me kind of exchange. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Danielle, you, you hinted on what I was going to ask you uh, next because I, I feel like mentorship exists on a continuum. So there's, there are people who, who mentor you and there, there are people who you will then mentor. So I, I really wanted to get some perspective from you in terms of what what are the things that you look to pass on as you, you know, grow into your mentorship capacity and, and whether it be formally or informally, but as you influence those who are modeling after you, um, what do you look to to pass on to them? Sure. Um, a big part of my journey is 12-step recovery. So I, I do what's called sponsoring. I sponsor lots of women, some who I'm in constant contact with, some not so much. But in these relationships, I'm learning that I'm really showing up there to be compassionate. I'm really showing up there to to talk about what's really going on and to not coddle or to, you know, um, not to let me think about this um i guess like mentorship for me looks like being there without giving someone their experience like the experience is for the mentee to have as they see fit having it but the mentor for me comes alongside someone and walks with them and guides them with what they know and and i feel like that's what i get from quadrilin and other black women in the community and that's what i want to hand down as well like you know i don't know what's best for you but i know what's worked for me and i'm going to lay that out for you and you take from it what you need and leave the rest basically quadrilin jackson danielle gilmore as we as we wrap up i would love for you all to uh, say any closing thoughts especially as it relates to not just mentorship, but really going back to this notion of the black body as your muse. I feel like that's really important to really um, emphasize because I feel like that's sometimes observed, but we don't really give words to that. And I believe with this exhibition and the work that you all do, you all really put action behind that. So I would love for you all to give some closing thoughts as it relates to, to that. Love it. 
adorn it, be proud of it, modify it, leave it how it is, dress it how you feel appropriate, show it how you feel appropriate, respect it, make sure it's respected, be a full and total beautiful self, have ownership and autonomy over your body, your entire body, your celestial body, your physical body, be your biggest, brightest self. I get encouraged to do that. I'm encouraging others to do that. And I thank Kwajalein for doing that and showing me how to do it even better. Um, I, I don't know that I could say it any better. Um, you know, take time to um, love and understand who you really are um, and take chances to take that with you. Um, find spaces where you can be celebrated and healed and whole um, understanding that not all spaces are going to be that um, be a refuge for other people and drink water <laughs> <laughs> lots of it every day <laughs> Kwajalein, Danielle thank you both for your time thank, thank you thank you